Hey guys, TiVo here to tell you about the Ufi Video Lock, a smart lock, a 2K camera, and a doorbell all in one. That's right, three in one for triple the security. It's easy to install. All you need is a Phillips screwdriver, no drilling required. It gives you keyless entry, so no more fumbling your keys when you have your hands full coming back from the grocery store. No more worry about the kids losing a house key. No more worry about a guest losing the house key or forgetting the passcode on your door. And for Airbnbers, it's a no-brainer as you can change the passcode at will between renters. It has available fingerprint recognition and it has AI self-learning chips. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You will have no anxiety with the battery charging. It is a rechargeable battery and it lasts around four months, but don't worry when it's low, it'll give you plenty of weeks notice. And also it always comes with a physical key as a backup. There's no monthly fee, unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee to get your backup recordings. They're always recorded locally and you will always have access. Customer support for the Ufi video lock is 24 seven. So you don't have to worry about any issues you have and it comes with an 18 month warranty. What I love about this product is it is truly all-in-one. With the three-in-one, you don't have to go out and buy multiple parts. It's all in this package with the Eufy Video Lock. So if you're interested in learning more, go on Amazon and search Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock. Again, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock. Get complete control over your front door. Welcome back to the Digital Currency Summit. I'm here with CEO of Halborn, Rob Banky. How are you doing? Hey, doing well. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to have you. Big fan of what you're doing over at Halborn. Um, in case there's listeners out there that don't know what you are doing, give us give the high-level overview. Halborn is a cybersecurity firm focused on the blockchain space. Uh, we've been out there uh, trying to keep the, the industry as secure as humanly possible for the last uh, three or four years now. Uh, we work with major organizations, whether it's sort of layer one blockchain organizations, DeFi projects, even major banks and uh, 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 really consumer brands as well. Um, so we're working with folks like, you know, whether it's uh, uh, Solana Foundation or major DeFi, you know, projects, large, uh, you know, NFT projects like Yuga Labs or Board Ape and things like that. Uh, but then also, um, you know, major banks like BNY Mellon and so on. So yeah. Yeah. And you have an all-star team yeah, working thanks. over there. It's not just a bunch of like junior admins that are floating around Twitter. Yeah, yeah. We, we got started. Uh, my co-founder, you know, m my background is going to be more on the marketing, sales, operations, and growth side. But mm -hmm. my co-founder is an elite ethical hacker. He built some of the, <clears throat> uh, uh, he, he won some of the largest uh, hackathons and pen testing sort of hackathons in the world called Net Wars for two years straight before we started Halborn. Uh, so yeah, we have a we have a really great team. Yeah. yeah. What are some of the most common issues that you're finding <clears throat> that are prevalent in the blockchain space today? Uh, so the reason why I think we've grown pretty fast at Halborn is because we started this company with a sort of a core thesis where there is a solid mix of traditional cybersecurity issues that still to this day really affect the Web3 industry as well as very Web3 centric things. So typically people kind of immediately lump things into smart contract audits. So for those, you know, un unaware, you know, you have you have your smart contract layer, that's what you're interacting with. 
um, when you're touching anything on like an Ethereum chain or anything like that. And smart contract audits are certainly important, certainly part of that. Um, but really, when you think of any technology, there is several different layers to that technology or really like what you may refer to as like full stack uh, in that sense. So we focus on end-to-end -end security, which just means that we're here to advise and not so much focus on the one layer, but focus on the whole pie, the whole picture and say, okay, out of all of these things that you're doing uh, from a business perspective, so we are B2B, uh, we can talk about you know the average user of sure. cryptocurrency and what we can do to help that. Um, but from the, from the business perspective, we're looking at all of the systemic risks that could go on and then really prioritizing the riskiest and testing from there. Um, so, of course, smart contract audits, but also web app pen tests, uh, you know, DevSecOps, getting your CI, CD pipeline really set up so that as you are uh, coding up your applications, you have secure coding practices put in place that then get deployed. And then we have monitoring for once you're actually on, uh, once you're actually live and launched, then we actually help monitor uh, your brand and help monitor uh, perhaps your token that's live as well. So these are philosophies that you just don't learn as a junior developer on YouTube going through tutorials. Yeah. You have to really be a professional to get that. And that's so sorely needed in this space. It really is you know, open for anyone to participate, but mm -hmm. there is a downside of that consequence. And we see multi-hundred million dollar hacks yep. simply because someone didn't have this experience. I think the easiest example of that is the Ronin hack. Six hundred million dollars out the door, not because of a smart contract failure, but they were only running six nodes and that was six machines that had to be compromised. Yep. And someone found a way to do that. Had yep. they been clients of Halborn, maybe that wouldn't have ever happened. Maybe. Yep. Maybe. Yeah. So as far as the consumer side goes, I mean, it's a big, scary world with lots of smart people out there. Some are doing amazing things. Some are breaking amazing things. What <laughs> yeah. can we do as consumers to try and keep ourselves and our crypto as safe as possible? So step one, um, and I, I see this time and time again, uh, is really good password hygiene. Now, what's funny about that answer is that that is a traditional cybersecurity answer. That mm -hmm. is not a crypto-centric answer. So all passwords that you ever create um, should always be over 20 characters. They should be a little, you know, it doesn't really even matter the complexity, but the length is really important. So and eight's not enough anymore. <laughs> no, 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 it should 20. be over 20. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and Put you your should, wedding vows into the password. Yeah, whatever, whatever it is, uh, you know, don't use dates, uh, don't use words or, or last names or first names that you're used to. Make sure that it's something that you've really never used before. Make sure you're not using the same passwords. Uh, once you're past that, that perspective on the crypto side of things, um, look, you know, even if you're using, uh, 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 like Chrome wallets or any of these other wallets, make sure that, um, anything that you see as a significant value to you, you are using what's called a hardware wallet. So you need to, you know, and even though it might seem complex right away, you want to have what's either called a Trezor or a Nano Ledger or, or a Ledger. They have a couple, many different products there. Mm -hmm. There's a ton of tutorials on the line about how to get these set up. And I'm telling you, it will affect a lot of the consumers that are out there and users of either NFTs or cryptocurrencies or anything like this. Um, 
Nine times out of 10, when we hear that things are getting stolen, it's because they do not use hardware wallets. So that can really, really help things uh, from the start. Um, yeah, those are two really important things that I think if you, if you knock out, you're gonna be really ahead of the curve. I would also say too, that what we're seeing is in order to stay safe in the space, you really need to um, be careful about uh, really what's called social engineering. So if you're on Telegram, if you're on Discord, if you are you know, even receiving emails from folks that you don't necessarily know, you need to be highly suspect of that. So typically what we're seeing now is uh, a lot of scams going on on Telegram where someone will just message you and say, hello, and then the moment that you respond back, they start checking things with you. You know, they're going to talk to you about different, uh, you know, phone numbers and things, things like this. And uh, funny enough, people are still getting scammed out there for, for gift cards and things like that. People saying, hey, uh, it's so-and-so, it's your mom, it's, it's whoever. I, I'm stuck right now. Like, you know, send me gift. <laughs> funny enough, send me yeah. gift cards, which is hilarious uh, that these more traditional scams are still prevalent in the Web3 space. So it's really just um, be overly cautious. Paranoia is actually an A-OK thing mm -hmm. when dealing, uh, when you're dealing with like proper internet money. So when you're dealing with open source, non-sovereign digital currencies, the moment that um, you send one token or one coin from me to you, there is no intermediary, there is no middleman that you can get that money back. So. Proceed with caution and, um, you know, a little bit of paranoia actually goes a long way when it comes to that. Yeah, definitely. And there's so many scammers out there that are imitating influencers. I get followed on yes. Twitter every day by people yeah. that don't actually follow me. Yeah. But there's like five, you know, crypto right. Wendios or whatever. And then there's <laughs> even impersonators of myself and Bryce that are going around trying to trick people into sending them money. And Bryce and I will never, ever, ever message you and ask you to send us money. That's just completely ridiculous. So yeah. don't fall yeah. for that. Um, be paranoid. Be smart. If some random guy walked up to you on the street and says, I've got a deal for you, you probably yeah. wouldn't take it. You shouldn't do it over the internet either. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. It really does come back to the basics, whereas if it is too good to be true, it absolutely is. Yeah, so it's, 100% yeah. of the time. Yeah. 100% of the time. Especially if some giant casino that's promising you 12% return a day. Yeah. Like that's completely a Ponzi scheme each and every time. So be smart, manage your greed, manage your risk. Um, and one other thing to point out is seed phrase management. Sure. It's something that really isn't understood that well either. You know, a lot of people just take a screenshot on their phone or something. What are some best practices for keeping our seed phrases safe? There is, I've heard a lot of different methodologies and for the average user, I pretty much recommend one specific thing, which is, uh, if it's on a uh, if it's on a you know connected device like your phone, don't put it there. So do not take a photo of this seed phrase. Do not put it in a memo pad in the seed phrase. The most secure thing that you can probably do is just take a piece of paper, write down that seed phrase as you're developing it, 
throw it into your safe, throw it somewhere, you know, nice and safe that, uh, that there is only that, there is only one, and then that's, you know, kind of leave it at there. Now, this is the average user. You yeah. know, the average user isn't going to be, uh, you know, a target to, you know, a major uh, incident, but this is something that um, is a lot more practical. Just, you know, even if it's a safety lockbox or, or your safe that's in your home, um, that's going to be your best, uh, your best bet for now. What about the device that we're using to trade crypto or store crypto on? Mm-hmm. Are we okay to use a Windows desktop or an iPhone, or is there something better that we could be using that's a little bit more secure just for this one use? For trading? For trading or just running a desktop wallet, whatever the case is. Yeah, you know, look, for the, for the most part, um, unless you're dealing with, uh, a large, you know, a, a decent amount. Um, you're really not going to be like a major target to some of the more uh, sophisticated things that we see on our end, where um, you know you have nation-state actors coming after someone. You know, maybe even just you know with something on on a smaller basis. Wow. So um, I think that when you're um, in order for it to be more of a cold wallets solution, for example, and if we are just talking about Bitcoin for a moment. You can, uh, you know, buy a new laptop, have it never connected to the internet. You can, you know, take the wallet program, uh, put it onto that laptop. Again, make sure it just never touches the internet. Mm. And then, um, you know, you can feel free to actually move it from that one wallet to the the one that you create on your own internal device uh, that's not connected. And I think that'll probably get get you there for the most part. Interesting. Yeah. And I think it'd be a good thing to mention that the term wallet itself Mm. is kind of outdated and not even really correct. Because when people think of a wallet, they think that's where their crypto is actually stored. Right. That's not the case. Sure. Yeah. That's the whole point of this distributed ledger technology is these ledgers across the world hold balance sheets that all agree with each other. And that's where your balance is. The wallet is simply more like a keychain to access that balance. Yep. That's exactly right. So I don't know how we're ever going to upgrade our lexicon here, but I think that's one thing that's really important to understand is what you're actually dealing with. Yep. So if you lose your wallet software, as long as you have your seed phrases backed up in that safe, you're good. Yeah. Yep. So that's why, and and frankly, that's actually kind of what got me into the world of cryptocurrency and Bitcoin back 10 years ago. A friend of mine told me there's this thing called a brain wallet. I was like, what are you talking about? If you remember the same, you know, 12 or 24 words or whatever it is, you know, like for the protocol, um, you can just walk around, you know, you don't have to write it down. You have to do anything. You just remember those 12 words and you have your, you have your capital with you. Yeah. Yeah. Which is wild. It's a wild concept. It is. And that's actually has nothing to do with uh, cryptocurrency. It has everything to do with cryptography. So yeah. that's, this is the basics of, of, of everything that we're doing in this industry. It's cryptocurrency, you have cryptography, and then you have currency. You have the actual cryptographic technology that powers this amazing thing, and then you have uh, just economics and just economic science experiments a lot, of, a lot of the times with all these new protocols. So when you combine those two together, you get this industry. Yeah, I remember I was stopped once by a customs officer at the airport, and he's asking what I did, and. You know, I told him, you know, I work in crypto. He's like, oh, so, you know, are you traveling with more than $10,000? Did you report it or whatever? And I'm like, well, no. One, I never (laughs) bring my hardware wallet when I travel. That's stupid. Well, right, yeah. Uh, And two, 
even if I did, it's no different than bringing my house keys. Yeah. Like my house keys unlock my house, which is worth six figures, but that yeah. has nothing to do with transferring, you know, finances across borders. So I had to explain the whole system. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And then, of course, our next question was, well, what do you think about Doge? And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Sell everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I think that's really important to understand. Um, as far as keeping, you know, our, our Windows desktop safe or our Mac laptop or our iPhone safe, is there any additional software that you would recommend that we run to kind of be a watchdog for us? as far as, you know, exploits or running updates or what, how should we really look at these things these days? I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I, I think for the most part, if you, um, if you, there are a million and one ways to be overly paranoid and, and do things, uh, you know, along that side of the world. And so I, I do think the most practical thing is just buy, a, you know, buy a new, fresh, you know, cheap laptop that, New, not not pre-owned or refurbished mm -hmm. or anything like that, and kind of set it aside and just leave it. Don't let it connect to the internet, and then go ahead and kind of use it that way. As far as updates or software, no, I think just your your general software that you're using, um, and uh, you know, antivirus software. You know, actually, Windows Defender is actually one of the most strong antivirus softwares on, on Windows today, actually, funny enough. So they've really uh, done really well with that. That's great to um, know. Yeah. And then Max, I think you're going to be fine on the Max too. Cool. Yeah. So speaking of paranoid, <laughs> I've been paranoid about pretty much Ethereum DeFi. Oh, ever yeah. since, you know, over a billion dollars was stolen last year. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to figure out from a non-technical perspective, is the problem that the developers don't know what they're doing or is Solidity just a shit language in general that is not mature enough or sophisticated enough to be securing all these funds? So we've done a lot of work in this space. Um, in 2022, 6% of all value in Ethereum DeFi was subject to an attack. Um, so it's, it's, it's substantial, so it's billions of dollars. Is it because um, that's where all the funds are or is it just Solidity is not as good as something like a Haskell or a Rust. You've probably said it uh, before on this podcast. There's probably been, you know, a million. It's cliche at this time, but it it we are still early in this industry. Yeah. Um, so the Ronin hack, like you said, um, you know, even as large of an organization as Axie Infinity and Ronin are at this point. Uh, they still aren't large enough to have things like uh, traditional banking security procedures and infrastructure put into place, where you have uh, controls set where a developer would never have the ability to touch, sort of, you know, the the, you know, the keys to the kingdom. Mm -hmm. uh, but in the world of Web three, like that's the entire use case. Yeah. Uh, so the the reality is that we're still in a bit of a nascent stage in even in Ethereum DeFi, where um, you have small teams, and those small teams are still the possessors of private keys, and so they are subject to all sorts of security issues along the way. So you can imagine, because this is legitimately what's been happening time and time again, where um, you have, call it, five people globally distributed that start a DeFi protocol in Ethereum, they get funding, 
and people really appreciate it and start building it up and start deploying capital into it, all of a sudden you have whatever it is, 500 million, a billion dollars of value in this protocol that's only really, the, the keys are only held by two or three people specific. So there's even this issue, um, you know, you can put all this like bank level security into all of these things, you know, spend millions upon millions of dollars just in security protocols. But in some cases that doesn't, that still doesn't even solve, for example, what we call the $5 wrench problem. The $5 wrench problem is, okay, someone just comes to you with a $5 wrench and says, give me all, give me your right. private keys, right. you know? So that's still um, sort of an inherent problem that, it, that even exists today. And, you know, look, like, um, there are what's what I find really relieving and really brilliant about this industry is that in an open source economy, you have um, free and open markets that breed innovation. So we're constantly seeing new innovative ideas coming out in this industry. One of which that we've seen are insurance protocols, where if I am deploying a hundred dollars into this DeFi protocol, oh, I can. I can buy this little open source insurance policy for five, ten dollars, and you know if that particular protocol is subject to a hack, oh, at least there's an insurance pool, so I can get you know some of my money back. Um, that I mean, and that's just one specific thing. Um, there is software for the actual developers and coders that are sort of coming out now as well. Um, and then when it comes to just using. DeFi in general, using Ethereum DeFi. Again, so long as you are using a hardware wallet attached to your computer that um, that then you're using your MetaMask or your XDeFi or your uh, you know or your Uniswap wallets or whatever you're using, um, that will kind of help half the battle from the potential of clicking a bad link and then someone can kind of you know steal funds that way. Um, there's a lot going on in the space, but I would say that for the most part, um, you're, you're going to be more subject to the actual inherent volatility risks, um, more so than subject to getting your, your particular money stolen. Um, so, you know, in the general, in, in general, you just need to be cautious about what you're investing into in general. Uh, make sure that you don't invest any money that you couldn't afford to lose, for example. Yeah. That's a really big lesson that uh, I've learned, that many have mm -hmm. learned, right? So I've been in this industry for 10 years. I, when I first got started, yeah, I learned that lesson the hard way. Yeah, so don't bet your rent. That's right. So, you know, these things just sort of happen. And so from a security perspective, we're kind of, you know, you know we're, 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 we're looking at all of the things and kind of helping to prioritize what things should be kind of focused on. From the from the start, so yeah. Well, I'd love to pick your brain all day, but you know you got to go back to the conference. Uh, one final question for you, and it's kind of a big one. Okay. Uh, right. AI is now coming out sure. all over the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is this going to cause more security problems or more security solutions? Uh, it's a tool, so just like a wrench, you know, just like a computer, it is a tool. Uh, so it's going to be used for good or evil, and evil, uh, and so. You know, this tool is going to create problems. Uh, this tool is going to be used to solve problems. Um, there's a lot of research going into AI for security use cases. Um, you know, luckily for us and for what we're up to out of all the studies, everything going on, um, you know, it's not, it's not replacing, you know, human needs for, uh, uh, for, for, for security auditing anytime soon. Uh, but it could theoretically help 
with you know informational findings and low-level findings and things that are still going to be important. So I think everybody in you know, AI is going to affect us all in all sorts of different ways. We're not particularly concerned about it uh, from a systemic risk issue, but there, 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 there are a lot of things uh, that I think um, you know, true anarchists of the world can definitely use. So it's going to it's going to be used for both of those scenarios. Yeah, well yeah. said. And just one final piece of advice that I was thinking of: if your investments do pay off and you hit it big, <laughs> shut the hell up about it. Don't post all over social media. Don't make yourself a target. Man. The best way yeah. to stay safe is to stay out of the line of fire. Yeah, that just stay... means shut up and be quiet about it. Yeah, Don't I couldn't... say anything to anyone. I couldn't agree more. Um, you become a target the moment that you start talking about your wealth online. So, yeah. yes, yes, yeah. please beware. Well, Rob, thank you so much for spending the last you know almost half hour with us. We really, really appreciate it. Yeah. Where can we follow you for more insights? Uh, sure, head over to halborn.com. We do have a blog. Uh, on Halborn.com that, that gets into the weeds of very specific topics. Uh, and I'm on Twitter, so it's at Rob Banky on Twitter. Thank you so much. You got it. And uh, we look forward to having you back sometime in the future. And uh, we'll be back with another great guest here at the Digital Currency Summit in just a minute. Thanks. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.